Welcome to the Tiny Bites of Business podcast, where we take practical, implementable tools and strategies and pack them into bite-sized episodes. I'm your host, Sarah Wooden. Let's talk about systems, streamlining, and business strategy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. This is our very first guest episode, which I am super excited about. I've been waiting since we launched to bring these to you. And today we are bringing Holly in to share with us. Holly is a capacity advocate and mentor. She is a very good friend and she's an awesome human being. And I thought Holly would be the perfect person to kick us off and talk about how to define our capacity. So hi, Holly. Hi, Sarah. Oh my goodness. I am like literally gushing and just that was such a beautiful intro. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for sharing your time and your expertise. And for backing me as well, because this has been a whole journey for me, learning how to do this and to bring this to people's ears. So thank you for being here. Um, I thought I'd start off. Would you like to tell me something a little bit about your favorite part of running your business and how that fits in with your values? Sure. So I think the favorite part of me running my business is that I get to do it my way. And I think that's why a lot of people actually do start off and do their own business. Um, Sorry, I've actually just (laughs) developed a little bit of a frog in my throat. Um, So, yeah, I think it really just comes down to being able to do what I do on my own terms, um, to be there for my daughter and just to be able to do what I need when I need to. And if that means resting, then so be it. I love that. I love that. And how would you describe the the way that you work with people? Like what's that takeaway feeling that they get from working with you in both the creative capacity as as a support person and within the capacity? What what does that feel like for them? It feels like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders. Quite often People come to me, um, particularly in the mentoring side of things. Um, So for those of you who don't know me, I am both a creative assistant and a capacity advocate slash mentor. Um, But when people are coming to me for capacity mentoring, they've got this preconceived notion that they should be doing all the things like ex-influencer or ex, um, you know, big shot online guru person says, you know, you must get out of bed at 5am and do this, that, the other, whatever, whatever. And then when I tell them that they can do it their way, that they do it in a way that works for them, their family, their existing commitments, they just feel incredibly validated. I love that. And I think it's so important in today's age of I mean, we've seen a bit of a shift. We've seen a bit of a pushback against hustle culture, but it's still so strong and it's so prominent. And um, and it, sure, those strategies might work for some people, but I think for most of us who've turned to freelancing, particularly women, it doesn't work for us. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't. Let's talk a little bit about um, how someone might define their capacity. Like what does that actually look like in practical terms of working out how many projects they could have or how many hours they can dedicate to their business or how many clients they can have? What do, what do you actually need to look at to work out what your capacity is? Sure. So capacity is subjective. Like it's different for each and every person. Um, but I always say to start with your concrete um, commitments. So for instance, I'm mum to a school-aged autistic 
daughter. So for me, I have, um, you know, anything that she does outside of school. So she does karate and swimming. She has uh, three, yeah, three specialist appointments um, every two weeks. Um, So I have to fit those in around my work schedule. Um, then, you know, there's general life things like keeping a house and all of those sorts of things. There's my own health and well-being. So before I even look at how many clients I can take on or how many hours I want to work, they're the things that I look at first because it's like a big um, puzzle and, you know, all the pieces have to fit together neatly. And it's actually kind of a little bit like math because you've got, time minus concrete commitments equals work time. Um, And I count your time and family time as a concrete commitment because we're all about life-work balance, not work-life balance. Work should, yes, work pays the bills, but work should not take precedence over anything else. So um, time minus concrete commitments equals work uh, commitments. So that's how I like to define it. And the other thing that I also like to do too is to actually plan for downtime and plan for surprises. So like sort of plan for things to go wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. The last few weeks of my life um, at, at this present time have really not gone according to plan. Uh, and so I have had to move to working onto the weekends on some projects. Um, but like I said, it's subjective, it's different for everybody. And I think as long as you are looking at your concrete commitments, um, and your health and wellbeing, your family's health and wellbeing, then you'll be able to start to work out and recognize the patterns for how much work you can actually take on as um, a freelancer or a business owner, whatever it is that your role is. I think that's really important. And I can definitely see when we don't plan those things in and then we've got, you know, things go wrong, we get sick, we're working a bit slow, we're a bit short on spoons, whatever it might be. And the first thing to go is our time for nourishment and then the family time. And then sooner or later we're cranky and angry at the world when really we put too much on our plates to start with. Exactly. So, and so that's capitalism and the patriarchy for you. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that. What what would you recommend someone do when they do realise that they have put too much on their plate? They've run out of spoons. They're right on that point of burnout. How do we pull it back? Sure. So the first thing that I would do is just step away from everything. Um, I know, no, no, that sounds a bit drastic, but it's the only way that you are going to be able to even get the spoons, the energy, the motivation to continue on once your levels are back at, you know, a, a, a base operation level. Because at the moment when you're burnt out or, you know, very near to burnout, you're, you're below base. So that's my first thing is step away and just have a break. If that means you've got to email clients, customers, whatever, and just say, hey, look, I've got to take a break for, you know, 
24, 48, 72 hours, whatever, how it could be longer. Do what you need to do because ultimately you are the number one person in your life. And yes, you may have significant other, you may have children, but you are the responsible one for keeping yourself functioning. Um, And I say that with love and grace. I don't say that to be mean or hard or any of that. Um, So yeah, step back as the first step. The second step would be assess which balls can be dropped. Um, And I, it might've even been with you, Sarah, that we talked about a glass ball and a plastic ball analogy. Um, And I think that's fantastic. So, you know, we've all got these balls that we're juggling and some might be glass where they will shatter and break like immediately and that can be catastrophic or some are plastic and they'll bounce or you know like they'll just sort of fall with a thud but they'll still be there but what's glass and plastic for one person might not be the same for another for instance a plastic ball for me might actually be a glass ball for my daughter so I've got to sort of like you know balance that out and try and work out okay well how can I make this work? Um, and the same logic applies for business and life overall mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, yeah, working out which ones are glass, which ones are plastic, um, and let the plastic ones go because they are not as sensitive. Like they're still holding shape. They might be a little bit dented, but they're primarily okay. They're, they're still whole. Um, and then making sure that you're scheduling time or not even scheduling time but making sure that you're prioritizing your rest and your wellness Mm. um and i'm not talking about like and this is no disrespect to yoga or anything but like there's just so much like you know yoga pilates like you know that wellness like influencer wellness type thing um because wellness is so much more than that um yeah so prioritizing your health and wellness and then once you have reached that point of base, start slowly picking up those plastic balls mm. one at a time, not too many at a time, and then keep your health and wellness regime going. Keep your family glued together. Um, and quite often as as women, we are the glue to the family. Um, and then, you know, everything will sort of come back together. And, and and nothing is always perfect. There are always going to be moments where things do either, you know, the, the plastic ball or something will slip through the cracks. But just as long as we've got the systems and we know within ourselves how we can actually pick the pieces back up or pick the balls back up and put them back into rotation, I think that's really all that matters. Mm. And I'd add to that as well. Um... We don't always have to pick those balls back up. There's a lot of balls that we've been told that we have to carry that we actually don't. They're really not a priority or we can give them to someone else. All right. So if you were to give me your top three strategies that you use either in your business or your life to protect your capacity, so be it meal prepping or be it reminders or whatever it is, what are your top three strategies to protect your capacity and um give you that capacity to thrive absolutely so number one um my family we are all neurodivergent 
Uh, so object permanence is a big thing for us. So there's lots of visual cues, um, reminders. So we've got um, on the back of our front door, we live in an apartment. So um, the back of our front door actually has a weekly planner for our family it's a whiteboard and yes I'm the one that's responsible for updating it because I know that my seven-year-old daughter can't or you know like she you know she probably could but takes a bit of prompting and my husband I've got no chance at all so you know I've got that but everybody sees it because it's there when they walk out the door so object permanence um, or you know making sure that you've got a visible schedule for everybody in your household so that it's not always mom, 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 honey, honey, what's this? Where, what, when, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, number two for me um, in protecting my capacity in a work sense is having um, quite a detailed um, signature where I say that I'm not always in my email signature. That is that so it suggests that um, or tells people that I'm not always in my inbox and that I encourage them to do the same for themselves um, and that it could be, you know, um, 72 hours before I respond or longer. It just depends. But it also states that maybe I'm at my desk when they're not and vice versa and that there isn't um, the expectation of a reply right away just to reply when you can. Um, and I think the third one is just knowing what feels what what rejuvenates me and replenishes my capacity so for me that's actually creative things um and I know that when I am feeling a little bit tired I know that sort of being creative helps to to restore my energy levels um so I have like lots of coloring books and things like that um but you know what, even doing client work, creating graphics for them, for their Instagram, their blogs, et cetera, um, sometimes that can actually really be relaxing for me as well because I'm using creative analysis to, to do it all. So, yeah. I love that. And it's funny, sometimes the things that we know are going to fill our cup, we still resist them. But once we do it, we're like, oh, I needed this so much, but we resist it. So I think it's yep. really, really good to um, for just to have that reminder to spot those things for yourself. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Well, as we wrap up, I wanted to ask, do you have anything that the community could access from you, um, little freebie or gift that they might want to use as we go on from this conversation? Oh, absolutely. I would love to invite everybody to go over to my website, hollybarack.com.au. I'm sure that Sarah will have that linked for you. Um, and you can download my free desktop organizer. Love that. Love that. Well, thank you very much for joining us. If people want to connect with you and find out more, where is the most fun place to hang out with you? I'm a millennial. The most fun place to hang out is Instagram. <laughs> um, so you can find me over on Instagram, Holly Barrack. So that's H-O-L-L-I-E-B-A-R-A-C. Um, and that's my handle across all of the socials, Facebook, Pinterest, um, I think LinkedIn as well. I'm actually wanting to become a bit more active there and TikTok as well. Perfect. Thank you very much for joining us. I'll make sure all of those notes are in the descriptions and it was really lovely speaking with you here.
Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. I am delighted to have been your first guest and delighted to have spoken with you. Bye. Bye.